Well, welcome to the Bethel Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Gibb, lead pastor of Bethel Pentecostal Church in Sarnia, Ontario, and this is our weekly podcast to our church members and friends of Bethel Sarnia. And um, this is our desire every week to come to you with some information, with teaching, and also many testimonies from members of our congregation about what the Lord has done and is doing in their lives. And we're going to have a great testimony today. I'll introduce you in just a moment. But before we do that, today is Wednesday, March the 4th, 2020. It is the time to march forth. Amen. <laughs> and uh, But today is a great day for my sister and I and my family because today is my mother's birthday. Wow. Happy birthday, Mom. No doubt at some point she'll be listening to this. And so just want to say a big happy birthday to my mom and, and from Trish and I, how much we love her and so proud of her. She is uh, traveling the world, preaching the gospel, just got back from the nation of Colombia last Thursday where she did three women's conferences and other ministry and uh, just great success there. They're already looking for her to come back and she had just been in Colombia in December and uh, then my mother is coming with me and my son, Caden, we're on our way Sunday night to the state of Jordan, country of Jordan. And we'll be there for a few days and then on our way over to Kenya and for a couple weeks and then over to the Seychelles. So you can be praying for us that God gives us traveling mercies and uh, no sickness, no virus, safety and travel and the great anointing of the Holy Spirit as we proclaim the gospel. Amen. What a great Sunday we just had this past Sunday and I'm so appreciative of all those who are members of our church or part of our annual meeting. We had a very good meeting and uh, be able to share just the blessing of God in our church. And uh, we want to congratulate Kyrene Ajobi, Lorreen Elliott, Jensen Charles, and Ken Tosh, who are elected to our elder board. They're joining with Darwin Armstrong, Rob Taylor, Derek Shannon, and Caleb Courtney. That is our elder board for 2020. And so we're looking forward to what the Lord has in store and with this leadership team in this coming year of 2020. I preached Sunday morning on the table, talked about how there is a table of the Lord. There was a table in the holy place in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, in the holy place called the Table of Showbread, both in the tabernacle and the temple. Of course, the psalmist said in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Jesus, of course, at his last supper before his crucifixion, had a table where he met with his disciples and celebrated the Passover meal. And of course, Revelation chapter 3 talks about Jesus knocking at the door and if anyone will answer the door and let him in, they'll have fellowship, they'll have communion. And I talked about how the local church is the table of the Lord. It's a place to come and be fed. It's a place for fellowship. I know in my home growing up, it wasn't the television that was the central part of our home, it was the table. Not just for meals, but for conversations, for uh, having people over, for coffees, for good discussion, and lots of fun were always happening around the table. And we're continuing that message this coming Sunday morning, uh, March the 8th, and uh, we're going to continue on a very important theme. I gave two points to my message. The table is where we are fed, the table is where we fellowship, and then I have one more, and it's my whole message this coming Sunday morning, so I want to encourage you to be there, and it's going to be a great message, and uh, I believe it'll speak to our hearts. Amen. Well, speaking of birthdays, uh, a member of our church family had a birthday this past Monday, and she's the one that we're going to have an interview with here today, Mary Carr. Mary is our prayer leader at Bethel. And she's been attending Bethel now uh, just over 20 years. And she's going to tell her testimony today about how she came to faith, how she came to salvation, uh, about her growing up. She grew up in Port Huron, Michigan, and a little bit about her growing up and how she wasn't serving God, but how God became a part of her life and how God saved her, how she came to Bethel Church, and uh, now what she's doing today in the work of the Lord and the ministry here and serving in Bethel. So we're going to have a great interview today, and you'll get to know Mary a little bit more and hear her testimony, and so that's the rest of this podcast today. I hope you'll enjoy this. I know you'll enjoy this interview with Mary Carr. Okay, I'm really pleased today to have Mary Carr with us. 
for our podcast today. And uh, most of you would know Mary. Uh, Mary is our prayer leader here at the church, and uh, she's such a blessing to our church. Been here. How long have you been at Bethel, Mary? Wow. Is it um, not since when I first came? No, I, I was here before you came. I started coming here in September of 1999. Okay. So, so just 20, like uh, not quite a year before I came. Yes. So 20... 21 years. 21 years almost? Yeah, wow. around, around there. And yeah. uh, Mary is such a blessing. She, uh, as I said, gives some gives leadership to prayer pre-service prayer times, and, uh, and just always is a woman of faith and enthusiasm and just love her passion for the Lord. You've been on a couple missions trips with us. Yes. Uh, I know you went with us to Brazil. Yes. That was back in 2015, uh, maybe? I think that was around there. But yeah. before that, I went to Ukraine with you. Okay. We were the first group. And Okay, the, on the first group. Yes. Wow. Right? So what was your experience like going to Ukraine? For the first time? Yeah. It was awesome. I just had a little bit of a fear because I had heard that there wasn't too many people of color there. <laughs> and so my husband was a little bit worried as well. But uh, Ed Dixon, you know, and Kirsten said, you know, just make sure you stay with the group. Don't go off on your own. Right. But, uh, you know, it was kind of like uh, like the kids thought it was Oprah or somebody. Like, I was actually pretty famous there. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? I mean, they were chanting, Mary, Mary, when, yeah. you know, we did our little skit. You it's know? true. There's not many uh, yeah. black people in uh, Ukraine. <laughs> it's funny, though, because we did a little skit, like, at the end at the camp, and uh that was the first time I uh, played the old lady, like a little old lady. I did this little old lady thing when you can't touch things, right? Remember right. that? Yeah, I remember. And then after that, man, I've been playing little old lady in, uh, you know, Heaven's Gates. <laughs> yeah, well, we had and the all, drama Heaven's Gates House Flames. Yeah, and I actually got to do the video. I'm and, on the video. Yeah. So that started my little old lady career. <laughs> yeah, so just so people understand what we're talking about. Uh, in Ukraine, we did a skit and it involved different characters, and one was to have an old lady, and Mary was assigned that. <laughs> she played it very good. Then we had the Heaven's Gates House Flame drama twice. here twice. Yeah. She both times was the old lady, and she did such a good job that uh, when they produced a video uh, to go around the world, and uh, they asked Mary to come, was it to St. Catherine's or something? Um, or? No, it was in Hamilton. Oh, in Hamilton. At the Bethel Church. Okay, so they had a big production, yeah. then they brought in the best of the best, it's, and Mary is an awesome it was fun. old lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked with a lot of them. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, okay, so Ukraine was a great experience. Yes. You've been back to Ukraine. This wasn't your only trip to Ukraine. Right. That was with your mom uh, just this past, um, it was in May Yeah. that we went to. Yeah. But that wasn't missions. That was more uh, doing women's conference. Right. And that was that was awesome. Oh, well, it's all missions, but. Yeah, well, I mean, it was like we didn't, like, go visit orphanages like we did before. Right. And that kind of thing. I mean, of yeah, course, different uh, type, different ministries. Different, but I did get sent out uh, to a church by myself. And your mom had said, "You know, don't worry, you'll never have to go out by yourself." But then it was like, "Okay, Mary, you're gonna go speak at this church, and I'm gonna go there." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> anyway, I ended up doing the whole service. Wow. Pastor Tim, I did the whole. I did the. Well, I didn't do the money call or the beginning, Offering. but I did the prayer line, and uh, it was like. I say about fifty people that came in line for me to pray for, and I and you know of course somebody's interpreting for you, and I, and then I just thought about how Ted Shuttlesworth and Nathan Morris, like all those people, they pray for, and I'm like, I don't know how they do it because that was a lot for me, right? And uh, you didn't want to turn people around and say, you know, hey, I can't pray for you, but uh, it, it was awesome. Yep. Yeah. And then we went to Brazil. Yes. Excuse me. Yes, Brazil was yeah. Brazil uh, broke my heart. That was the first time that um, I mean, it, Ukraine. There was poor people there, but I had never seen anything like those poor people I saw in Brazil. I mm. mean, it really opened up my eyes to like. I mean, you see it on TV. You know, some of these commercials and things like that, or they eating out of the garbage and things like that. But when you're actually there. And, like, you smell the smells of the city and, like, all of that. It's just, and you see these poor kids, like, some of them walking around with these uh, bottles sniffing glue or people living on the mattress. 
Like, that just broke my heart. Because we went out street evangelizing, you know, right. and saw the really poor of the poor. Right. So Brazil's a beautiful country. We saw the beauty of we it. We saw the beauty of and, it. And uh, in some ways a prosperous country. Yeah. But it definitely has uh, areas that are extreme poverty. Yes. People in tremendous need. But the ministering yeah. there was awesome. I mean, I came home and I told my husband, I'm never going to complain again. Yeah. I'm not going to complain about this or that. Like, I mean, So how have you done with that? I've done pretty good yeah. because, you know, when you go over there and you tell your testimony and I'm telling them that I eat, uh, you know, we were poor and, you know, I had to eat um, beans and powdered milk and canned meat. They wish they had that, right? right. So I mean, my story is okay. like, what? That's nothing. <laughs> well, let's anyway. get into your story because that's yeah. why I want to have you here today. I want to, uh, people to get to know. Part of the reason why I want to do these podcasts is for people to share their testimony. Okay. And we wouldn't necessarily take like a whole half hour on a Sunday to have some different ones give a testimony. But in this podcast, we can. So let's just take a little bit of time and take us all the way back. Now, my understanding is yes. that we're going all the way back to the when you were born and you were born, at, tell me, I believe, in Port Huron, Michigan. Yes, that's so correct. So you are an American. Yes. And a Canadian as well, I believe. Now, I right? haven't gotten my Canadian citizen. Okay. I'm doing it this year. So you're the, an immigrant to Canada. Yeah, I'm a permanent resident. Permanent resident, right. Yes. But so born in U.S., U.S. citizen, uh, Port Huron, Michigan. Yeah. And uh, but tell us a little bit about your growing up and then leading to when you came to faith in Christ, how all that came about. Your growing up was uh, not the easiest life. Uh, no. Like you said, you were grew up in a home that was in a, an area of poverty. Yes. Yeah. So talk to me a yeah. little bit about yeah. your. Yeah. So yeah, in Port Huron, Michigan. That's uh, where I was born in 1960. And matter of fact, I got a birthday. You know, not uh, next Monday, I'm going to be 60 years old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Port Huron, Michigan. My mom had nine children. Yep. Um, I was right in the middle. There was four older than me and four younger than me. And uh, my dad, um, he worked in a factory. And my mom really, I mean, she did different little jobs, odd jobs here and there. But growing up, um, when I was... I think in grade, we were in grade three when my mom started sending us to a Catholic church because uh, my mom was Catholic. Okay. So before that, we went to a public school in our area where there's mostly blacks and Hispanics. Now, were your parents church-going folk? No, no? Uh, not at all. Matter of fact, my mom would send us to church, and she wouldn't go, but she grew up Catholic. She was from the East Coast, from Massachusetts, where okay. your mom, Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, my wife. But she graduated from um, a Catholic high school. Okay. It was a little different there. It wasn't as much, um, you know, the prejudice type of thing as it was in Port Huron. Uh, so anyway, she, you know, wanted us to learn about God. Now, now, mind you, um, before that, the only thing I really knew about God, like in my neighborhood, is like people would go to church on Sunday, but they were in the bars on Saturday night, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you had a Pentecostal church here, you had a Baptist church there, but all those people were, I mean, they went to church on Sunday, but they were living their life just like... So going to church was more of a cultural thing, right? Yes. It's like what you did... But it really didn't change your life. Right. And my mom would send us like to the black churches on yeah. Easter Sunday. Matter of fact, this particular Baptist church. And we would, uh, you know, get all dressed up and we'd have a little uh, a scripture to say in front of people. And then that was it for right. going to church. Wow. But then when she started sending us to uh, the Catholic church, I was in grade three. That was taking me out of my school. There was a guy named Mr. Kearns. Now, he was a nice old man. He would come and pick us up, and he would take us to catechism, and then he would uh, take us to pick us up on, on church on Sunday. But the thing is, we were on, there was only uh, five black people in the whole school, my, me, me and my two sisters, which was three girls and two black boys. Okay. They hated us. <laughs> okay, so the school you went to before was primarily black and Hispanic. Yes. But then you went to a predominantly uh, white I got school, lost Catholic across school. town to a white Catholic okay. school. And you felt racism, prejudice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, even from the moment you stepped on the bus, you know, you nobody wanted to sit by you. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know these people's name, but they, I remember they had red hair. <coughs> I mean, they would spit at us. They would 
throw things at us, and we were told not to, you know, retaliate. Wow. So grade like three, that. how old would you be, like eight I, or something? I was seven. Seven, okay. Yes, I was seven. So but, you remember this quite well. Oh, yeah, because it was different. Like, they didn't, I wasn't treated, like, I had no experience like that at my school that I was going to. Okay. And uh, anyway, my teacher, uh, Miss Greeny, who I called Miss Greeny the meanie, she was a nun, and um, I never knew what was going on or what I was supposed to do. I was so scared, right? Um, but the only part I did like was about learning about God, and you, le- you know, you learn, you did learn about God and heaven and hell, and, okay. and that Jesus loved you, and you know, th- this type of thing. But I was always wondering, well, if Jesus loves me and you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man, And but Jesus loves me. Then I was thinking, then why do these people hate me? Right. <laughs> right? A As question. a little girl, I was like, well, and I, I didn't understand that. And uh, my mom had had to come to uh, the principal there at the school, you know, because we were getting beat up and picked on. Hmm. And we were told to tell the teacher when that happened. Okay. So when somebody's spitting at me or pulling my hair or throwing their pencils at me or something, Usually I wouldn't say nothing. I was too, you know, too scared. Um, but in my neighborhood, I mean, I would have done something. But there, I was afraid. And you go up and tell the teacher, and she just tell you to go sit back in your seat. Mm. She didn't do anything. Okay. So my grades went like from like all A's to all E's. Okay. Like I, I, I think I got a A in um, citizenship, which was like your behavior. Okay, <laughs> so, okay, so, so it was a very challenging time. It was very challenging. And how long and then, were you part of that school? We She pulled us out. We didn't go back the next year, just okay. the one year. One but, year only. But we would go to the church, um, Pastor, and uh, when we would go and sit in the aisle, like when people saw us coming, they would all <laughs> move over like we had cooties or something. Okay. Like nobody wanted to sit by us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my mother ended up, she got us baptized here where they sprinkled your head and that type of thing. But anyway, it got so bad that she she pulled us out of that school. So back to the school you went to before. Yes. Now, was that better for you? Yes. Better Grades for Grades went right back up. Okay. I mean, there's people that look like me, yep. you know, and yep. uh, it was, uh, even though we had white teachers, there was a couple black teachers, but everybody was nice. So I had never experienced that thing, but I had learned about God. Right. And I learned that there was a heaven and hell, but I still couldn't figure out Okay. Why those people hated me. Yeah, and then too, I'm very it, sorry to hear that kind of experience. <laughs> it's terrible, but yes, I know but, it's a reality. But I thought it was, um, you know, that I knew that God loved me, but I, I just didn't know really who he was. Yeah. And then, so as the years went by, you know, the, the Pentecostal church um, down the road from us, the pastor there, and they lived in the projects with us, the pastor and... Uh, he had married this woman, and he had two step um, children. Okay. Anyway, I, I, but anyway, he ended up molesting his stepdaughter and got her pregnant. So that's the Pentecostal church. Oh gosh! The Baptist church—they were at the bars on Saturday night and in their fancy hats on Sunday. So I just like, okay, what's what? Okay, so here you're growing up in Port Huron, <laughs> Michigan. You said in the projects. Yes. So a lot of government assistance. Uh, All government assistance. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, obviously, with poverty comes a lot of challenges, other challenges. Yeah. And your first real exposure to Christianity is at this Catholic school, but you felt a lot of racism, prejudice. Yes. And then you're in your own community where there was church connection, uh, a lot of hypocrisy, right? I mean, yes. you talk about this pastor that horrible immorality and and yeah. others that were not consistent in their faith. So you're yeah. not getting a very good representation of no. the gospel. No. Yeah. So how did yeah. that affect you in your teen years and I just I just didn't know what to believe and uh, I just thought that you know this like God must be real and Jesus must be real but I don't think those people really know him. And uh, anyway, this one day, we were driving down uh, 10th Street right by uh, Mercy Hospital, and there was a big billboard, and there was a sign there of a Bible opened up, and underneath it, it said, just read it for yourself. Okay. And so I, I still have this big white Bible that I, that I ordered, and I started reading the Gospels. So how old would you have been then? I was in high school. I would have probably been in grade 10. Okay. And I started reading the Bible. Now, mind you, I wasn't living like 
uh, Christian would live, I right. didn't really know, you know. Right. But I, I was reading, and I remember Psalms 51 I really caught my attention. And I used to read that all the time to where I got to where I memorized it. Wow. And, and I used to read that. And I learned the Lord's Prayer from uh, the Catholic Church and Hail Mary, you know, doing the rosary type of thing. But I wasn't doing that. But I would say those prayers. And then I would always used to pray, uh, Lord, I really would like to know who you are. I really yeah. want to know you. And then, you know how you throw in wishing wells and ponds like that? My wish wasn't that I would be rich or a millionaire. I always used to say, I really want to know who you are, Lord. Wow. And, you know, when I think back all those years that he heard my prayer back then. Yeah. You know, it took a while for me to get there, but he heard my prayer. So I used to read the Bible, and uh, I, I understood that this God in the Bible wasn't who everybody else was serving, right? And then in grade 12, I had a friend who was a Mormon, and I looked into that for a little bit and realized that that wasn't right either because um, you're supposed to, and I went to their church for a little bit, and I, I'm also going to get into all of this, but anyway, going to the Mormon church, I thought, okay, this must be it. These people are nice. They don't smoke. They don't drink. They don't even drink coffee or tea. You know, I, you know I'm searching, and after you read the Book of Mormon, you're supposed to pray and ask the Holy Spirit if that book is real, if the book is true. Okay. And my friend said that when you do that, you're going to feel, feel a fuzzy, wuzzy, warm feeling inside. Right. Right? So, but after I prayed that, you know, Holy Spirit, after reading the Book of Mormon, is this book true? You know, Holy Spirit, is this book true? And I heard in my spirit, I heard the Lord say, Mary. And I'm like, yes, Lord. He said, you believe I'm the God that created the heavens and the earth? Yes, man. You believe that you that I took dust and, and created man and blew, um, blew my breath into him? And all, you know, he's going through Genesis with me. Yes, Lord, I believe you did all that because they believe that the Bible isn't correct, right. not only the Book of Mormon. Right. Anyway, to make a long story short, when I prayed that, I'm hearing the Lord saying this in my spirit, and I'm like, yes, Lord, I believe all that. And he says, well, don't you think I could get my book right the first time? You know, <laughs> And, that, and that's, that was the end of the Mormon thing, okay. right? Because I believed that he got the book right, that I didn't need to. So you're 17, 18, 19 kind of at this point? Yeah, so that okay. I was in grade 12 then okay. after I tried the, the Book of Mormon thing. So very interesting to me how, um, okay, so just, again, context. Uh, you didn't have this model in your home. Your parents weren't Christian believers. They weren't no. church-going folk. I, I take it maybe, like, so you didn't come by this in a like, Christian home. You have a little bit of an experience, but uh, uh, in the Catholic Church, but yet crowded with uh, lots of negativity, racism, hypocrisy. But yet there was a searching in your heart and a prayer to know God. Yes. And a searching, right? Yes. I feel like, like right from the beginning, the Lord just had his hand on your life. I think you feel that, too. I believe that, too. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's funny, because when uh, John Kilpatrick came here the first time, actually Gary Nettleshop was the pastor there, and he, he came to me, and I was asking him to pray for my mother, and he came to me, and he said, God's been waiting on you for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I just was thinking about... All the past. Anyway, right. I want to get to that. So, yeah, I grew up in all of that. And during this time, my dad, uh, he sold heroin out of our home. Okay. Uh, and uh, he used to grow marijuana, grow his own fields of marijuana. Well, he was doing that first. And, uh, and then the, the cops found one of his fields and burned it down. So his other field, he, he, he you know, harvested and brought it home and put it in black garbage bags and uh, put it in a closet in our home. And it, and it, uh, there's no windows and no air and all of that. Anyway, this, this marijuana all went mildewy in the bag and just stunk up the whole house. Right. And so that's when he started selling, because uh, winter was coming. Right. He didn't have a crop, so he started selling um, heroin? heroin and cocaine, that type wow. of thing. And, uh, and so even when I was in high school, my dad... Uh, used to allow us to smoke marijuana okay. because he said he'd rather um, we he know what kind of stuff we were getting instead of getting it from other people. Okay. That made us very popular teenagers back okay. then. And so he used to smoke, smoke marijuana right in the home. And then, uh, you know, he used to sell drugs. And, of course, he, he, he taught all of, us, all of us how to do that type of thing. Right. Uh, so you so you grow up in that, right? Okay. And then you, what happens? And you start using that. 
Right. right? You, you smoke marijuana and then you try that. But there was one drug, he said, you never touch it. He's the heroin that he was selling, he said, you never touch that. He said, um, uh, one is too many and a million isn't enough if you right. do this drug. Like, I got you. Never touch it. Yet and, he was selling it to others. Yes. Right. <laughs> to make money. Sure. To, to feed us and that, you know, back So, um, So your, obviously, father is involved in illegal activity. Yes. Did you still feel like you were in a loving home, or was it a turbulent oh, home? No, was it was a, home a loving home. My my dad and parents, they, I mean, they loved us. Like my mom, uh, my mom was a beautiful person. Uh, even though we didn't have much with all of us kids, like even the kids that were poorer than us, she fed them. Right. Uh, a lot of Mexican people, a lot of some poor white trash. Anybody could eat. She always cooked like there was an army. Okay. I mean, there was beans, but well, it was, was a big pot of beans. Well, there was nine of you plus the mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. so that's or even like people that stopped by. They always wanted, oh, Mama Jay, what you got cooking? You know, big yeah. pot of beans with some ham hocks or whatever like that. She she always would feed you. Yeah. So my mother, she was a, she was a, she was a good person and a really loving person. Everybody loved her and everybody loved my dad. They kind kind of called him like the mayor of the projects, you know, okay. type of thing. Now loved and, him because because uh, he was uh, selling stuff that they I, wanted. I or? Think too, and then he was he was tough too. Okay. Like you ain't mess with my dad, okay. and you didn't mess with his girls, okay. right? Like he was that type of like if you were to do something to me, it's like. That's Shorty's daughter. They called them, you know, don't mess with Shorty's kids. Like, okay. it was like, and my brothers were tough, too. So in our neighborhood, you had to fight a lot, too, right? Right. Yeah, you couldn't, um, okay. you know, I used to be a really mean type of person, Pastor. And, no. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, well, back then, you know, you know, like if you were, like, light-skinned and long hair, you know, people get jealous of you or think you that. So... Sometimes girls didn't like you because, you know, of a certain, you yeah. looked a certain way. Yeah. And so you always had to fight. You had to protect yourself. Like, yeah. my dad always taught us. He said, don't even stand there and argue. He said, you just throw the first punch and hit them in the nose and that waters their eyes. So a lot of times I was just, you look at me the wrong way, you know. So right. that's it was the way it was. But my heart got softened when I started reading the Bible and that Jesus is love and he forgives and all this, you know, it, it starts to starts to soften. So take um, us to then, uh, unless there's something, but when did you, you start reading the Bible, but when did you really come to a place where you'd say you had a born-again experience? Well, that happened when my dad, now the, my dad, who used to sell the heroin and told us never to touch it, um, he got saved. Okay. Um Genuinely saved. Yes, he yeah. got saved, and I, I remember. And uh, about this time, I'm I'm smoking. Um, I used they used to call it. We called it caviar. So it's cocaine, but it's it's crack. But you take it and brunch it up, and then you lace your marijuana with it, and you smoke it. And if you don't have marijuana, you use um, cigarette tobacco, and you roll it up and smoke it. So, so I was doing that at the time, which is really addictive. My dad was uh, on drugs and stuff like that. And, and one day, he, he called me, and he said, they called me Leany, and he said, Leany, I got saved. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> he said, I got saved. And I'm like, okay, Dad, sure. Because my dad, at that time, he used to drink Mad Dog 2020, which is a wine. Okay. He used to drink, and they used to hang out on the corner away from our house at Knox Field, and all the drunks and everybody, they hang out there. So he used to drink, but he told me he got saved. And I thought, okay, yeah, Dad. And this, by this time, I'm living in Canada. Okay. Know, right? Okay. My son was just about, like, maybe three. Because you married a Canadian guy. Yes. Named Michael. Named and, Michael. Yeah. My, my, my knight in shining armor. Um, <laughs> Your white in shining my armor? Knight, my knight. My knight in shining armor. A white Canadian guy yes. you're married to, and you've had one son together. One son. Robert, and yeah. Yes. So we're, we've we we've jumped a little bit in years, which is fine. You're in yeah. Canada now, but your dad my dad saved. Got, my dad got saved. And did you see some radical change? Um, yes. yes, and that's what what because I used to like I didn't want to be doing what I was doing. I got a son now. I knew soon he's going to be going to school, and I seen how, you know, uh, drugs just destroyed 
people's lives. I've seen what it did to my sister, a couple of my sisters. Like, it's, it's distra- I didn't want to have it like that. You know, I didn't get as bad as them, but I still, I, I craved it. And I used to always try to throw it away. And one time I took everything and threw it in the St. Clair River, and I prayed, you know, for the Lord to take it away from me. And uh, that lasted about two weeks, and then it, I just started craving it again. But anyway, my dad got saved. When I went over to see him, I could see something was changed about him, that he looked different. Like he, now, what he, happened that caused him to get saved? You went to a church service? Or yes. You, okay. he, he, he had uh, one day, um, he was getting ready to go down. It was in the summer, like in August, 90 degrees. And uh, my mom said that he, he went out, he, he had a bicycle, he didn't have a car, and he was, and there was a, um, a tent revival meeting at one corner, of the one end of the street, and down at the other end of Knox Fields where they get drunk. So when my, my dad went out on his bicycle, he was going down to go hang out with the fellas, 90 degree weather, he said he got really cold. And he said he turned around and thought, I better get my jacket. So he went in the house and said he was getting his jacket. My mom said, what's wrong with you, fools? 90 degrees. She's <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I don't know why I got cold. So he started out again to start going back the opposite way to go hang out with the fellas. And he got real cold again. So then he turned around and he said when he turned around, he could hear the music coming from the tent revival. And he thought, well... Maybe I, maybe I should go see what they're doing down there, right? Yep. So he, he instead of going in, in the house, he went down to to the tent revival and just parked his bike on the curb and just was sitting there. And he said, you know, he could hear the music and everything, and it sounded wonderful. And then it, um, the pastor inside the, the tent said, Bobby Sanderson, God's been waiting on you for a long time. You need to come in here. She said he was calling her name. And, uh, and he said... Uh, like he, it was like he just no one was speaking to him. He knew he needed to get in there, and by the time he um, walked into, and he had already been drinking that day, Pastor. Okay. By the time he got off his bike and walked into the tent, he was sober. Uh-huh. He, he he was like completely sobered up. And then they, the pastor prayed over him and had told him that God had been waiting on him for a long time and this and that kind of prophesied over him. And he said when, he was, when the, the pastor was praying over him, he said he felt like he was lifting up off of his feet. And he said tears just rolling down his face. And, and of course he had became sober. And then after all that was over, he went home and he's completely sober. He said, my mom said, he came in here and she said, what happened to you? <laughs> and he said, I got saved, right? Wow. And, uh, and, and she, said, she said, you got saved? Because she knew he left there drunk, right? right, right, right. <laughs> and he didn't end up going down there, so he got saved. And actually, he called me the next day and told me about it. And I and I saw it. So he preached for me to me for a whole like almost a year. Okay, so he started going, he started going started to church. Started going to church and every all the Sunday and, and became an usher and all everything stopped. No wow. drinking, no nothing. Just a complete amazing. So here I am now, seeing my dad. Did your mother respond to this then, or? Well, I guess she knew yeah. something had happened well, to my yeah. dad. Well, we all did. All sure. of us kids. Now, did she come to the Lord? She didn't like that church for some okay. reason. She didn't like that church okay. there. So, because she's Catholic, she had okay. a hard time. Okay. Uh, but he you know, he going. made a commitment. And he made a commitment, and everybody saw the difference. Right, like, the whole town. Like, so that everybody. was really speaking to you. So you already had a, uh, a a heart towards the Lord, searching, wanting a different life, but not know how to get it. Yes. And then you see this happen in your dad. Yes. So bring me now to your experience when you got saved. Yeah, so after seeing my dad being sober like that, and the Lord had taken it away from him, and I had been trying, like, so hard. I knew that the only way that I was going to be able to get rid of it was I had to completely surrender to God. I I didn't want to play with it, you know? And um, so, anyway, um, my dad invited me. They were having another tent revival. Right, and my dad invited me and my sister to go. Okay, and I had thought at that time I had. Um, I, after remember I told you I threw the stuff in the river. Yeah. Well, that lasted two weeks where I didn't do it, and then after that I got the craving, and then I would try it again, and it didn't taste the same. It, it you know it just didn't taste right. I just was thinking like what a waste of money, 
So then my then I go over to my dad's house to go to this tent revival with him. And <laughs> this is how the devil wor works. Before I even get into the door, my brother, who was selling drugs at the time, he, he comes out and meets me before I get in the door, and he takes my hand and closes my hand. He said, I got this stuff. I want you to try. It's for free. Just tell me if it's any good. Right? Mm -hmm. What do I do? I take the stuff and I go put it in my glove box. Right. And then I go back and go and get my dad and yeah. him and my sister, my older sister, we went to church. Well, we walked in the church, it's, you know, the music is playing and things like that. And I thought God was it's just going to zap me, right? Right there, and I wasn't going to want it. But the whole time I'm there, Pastor, um, I'm thinking about that in the glove box. Like, if it's, is it some good stuff? You know, just, we're going to have some good stuff one more time, you know? But, right, right. right. And, uh, and so then they have the altar call and uh, go up. Well, my sister, when they prayed for her, she went down and she's shaking all over on the floor. Then they come to me and the lady said, the glory of God is all over you. And I'm like, really? I don't feel nothing. <laughs> she was I, speaking by faith. <laughs> yeah. I, said, I don't feel nothing. Right. And then anyway, she prayed for me. I said the sinner's prayer. Still, I didn't go down. I wasn't zapped or nothing like that. So when I, it was over and I got in the car and I said, okay, God, well, I guess you're not real because nothing didn't happen to me. I still feel the same. You know, this is what I'm saying to myself, to yeah. God. Like, I guess yeah. you're not real. I mean, everybody else was falling out on the floor and stuff. Nothing happened to me. And I can hear him say, well, the whole time you were in there, you were thinking about what's in that glove box, right? So then I go home. And, uh, you know, after put Robert to bed and my husband was... So did you cross the border with this in your glove yes, box? Yes. Oh, my Actually, goodness. no, actually, I put it in my bra, to be honest. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, even still, you crossed the international you know, border. You know, we, 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 it's funny because I always used to pray, even when I used to steal stuff, because we used to steal all of our makeup. I mean, I think I told you before about the five-finger discount. <laughs> okay, to, well, you told me, but explain that. Oh, no. Well, the five-finger discount is yeah. when you, like, we used to... Shoplift. Shoplift. Like, right. us teenagers, girl, we never paid for our mascara or lipstick or little things like that. Right. And it's like, you know, who got the best five-finger discount? It was like when you got to school. Like, well, I got this. Well, I got right. that. Right. Well, it was a five-finger discount. Uh, and and so, yeah, that's that's what we called it. Right. Um, uh, we're right. So so anyway, I I, I um I got home. Yeah. And I and I and I rolled it up, and, and the first puff that I took of it, Pastor, I tell you, no lie, I felt like my whole body was just like shrinking up like a prune. And in my mind, it kind of looked like, remember the uh, the Wizard of Oz and the witch, Dorothy throws water on the witch and she okay. starts to melt? So it felt like I just kind of squeaked down like that. And I like, this feels like this presence was standing over me. And uh, and I, I know I know it was God like, saying, Mary, what are you doing? Yeah. And I just said, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, Please forgive me. I'm never going to do this again. It tasted terrible anyway. Right. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm never going to do this again. I know he was right there. Yep. And, man, I took that stuff, and I went and flushed it down the toilet. And then I never had a desire for it again. Wow. Never had a desire. And I thought, i got to find me a church. Praise God. So, and to that point, you were having a hard time giving it up. Yes. But okay. because the desire, you quit. And right. then you your body yeah, yeah. starts right. craving. craving or if you're bored and you're not doing nothing, then your mind goes to, well, you might as well go get high. Right. Never had a desire Okay, so you again. flush this down the toilet. Yeah. And from that day, you've never had a desire, never, never. had drugs. And i got to find a church. Now i got to find a church. Okay. And then, and then I need to go to a church. Like, where do you want me to go? And then I saw Bethel. And I don't know why I never paid attention to it, because I lived on Telfer Side Road, but I never really knew that this church was here, never paid attention to it. So I heard Bethel, looked up, looked in the phone book, and there, there sure enough, there was Bethel. And uh, anyway, I came to church that morning, one Sunday morning at Bethel. Pastor Gary Nettleship was, was there, but soon as I came uh, in the door, this Caucasian gentleman said, good morning, sister. 
Right. And that that just got me right there. I mean, here's this white guy saying, "Good morning, sister," to me. Right. Like, I mean, I mean awesome. those other churches just like you just there, but he just wow. welcomed me. Those with are this. great churches. I don't know. Know. That gentleman, he yeah. actually gave me a little wooden sign that said Jesus on it. Oh. I don't know his name. But I still have those little plaques. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember his name now, too. I know who it is. Yeah, okay, well. The I'll name never... will come to me. Okay, well, right. he, he, he's the one that said that to me. Yeah. And I came in here and there, and uh, it was like the music was nice. Like, everybody just like, like it was like I felt like I belong here. Like, right. nobody made a, you know, like this black person here or something like that. You know, I, mean, I didn't feel any of that. Right. And I thought that that was that was good, a good feeling. And then they said, We're having a church service tonight too. It's six thirty, it's coming back. And I thought, man, they have a service tonight, I'm coming back, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, anyway, I, I came back that night and I brought my son with me because my husband went to the bar. Um, so I brought Robert with me, he was just little. And again, same thing. It was just the music was wonderful and they had, uh, then they had, uh, they called everybody up, Pastor, and they were singing this song, Lord, all that you desire, Lord, have your way in me. Yeah. And uh, and I started singing that song, too, and everybody was holding up their hands, so I started holding up my hands, too. And when I started holding up my hands, that's when I think I told you before, I felt the the golden bling stuff started coming <laughs> layers of layers on me. And that, that to me, I look back at that. I never had it again. I've been trying to get that again, but that was a divine encounter for me, but I knew something happened. Not, not only the that the Lord took away my desire for the drugs, but that right there was like, he was saying, I'm real. Right. Like, like, this is something that, you know. And uh, anyway, so this I'm feeling this stuff, and then Pastor Gary came and put his hand on me, and when he did... It's like it stopped. The flow of it stopped, and I opened my eyes, and he was asking me who I was, and I, I didn't know what the heck was going on. I was like, "What? I don't. What? What just happened here?" And then he he, he called uh, Angela and uh, Rita. Remember Rita Wharton? Rita Wharton, yeah. They came over and in they, heaven now, but yeah. Yes, they came over and they they prayed for me. And they were telling me they were uh, getting ready to start some Bible study or something like this, and. And took my information because I thought, because I want to go to Bible school or yeah. Bible study, I want to learn. But anyway, when I go back to my seat, my son is sleeping. And at that age, when you wake him up, he would cry. And I thought, man, I don't want him to start crying because whatever that was, like, it was just was so wonderful. And I put my hand on my son, and he woke up and said, I love you, Mom, I love you, Mom, I love you, Mom, I love you, Mom. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> try to walk down the aisle, get him in the, you can go outside the church, put him in the truck and his car seat and all that. And then I uh, get on my side and it was like dead quiet. I said, Robert, why are you telling mommy you love her so much? And he said, I don't know, mommy, but I think God's love angels was on me. I don't know why he said that. Right. And I'm like, okay, golden bling bling stuff on me. Yeah. Love angels on my baby. Yeah. We coming to this church. Yeah. And I'm in common every sense. Right. But to make a long story short, with all that, um, you know, stuff with the drugs and, uh, you know, all of my brothers and sisters, you know, they all sold drugs. And you, every one of them has been to jail or prison. Right. Out of all my mom's kids, I'm the only child wow. that has not been to prison okay. or jail. Wow. And I, so I look at back all that, how, how, how did God keep me safe like that? But yeah. I, I credit a lot of that, too, to my mother, because she always said, well, you know, you got to be careful what you say to your kids and when you're introducing them to uh, you know, your friends or that. But my mom always introduced me as her good child. Uh, now, I was her sickly child. Okay. I was always sick. I had... Um, a whooping cough, ammonia three times. I was in and out of the hospital. I even had worms one time, Pastor Tim. But she always used to say, this is my sickly child. But Leanie, she's my good child because I got good grades. So she okay. always used to say that. Right. So I thought I had to live up to being the good child. So the good child didn't end up and uh, you know going to prison or jail. But I still was doing stuff. But compared right. to my other brothers and sisters, right. <laughs> was the good child. I gotcha. But then telling me I'm sick all the time, I think that had a lot to do with me not being able to have children. Because okay. I, I was I had a lot of you know surgeries with my. So over. so just going forward, we just have the last few minutes here. 
Uh, I know that uh, the Lord has, uh, since you've been coming to Bethel, and uh, Mary, look, I just honor you today for your faithfulness and your commitment, and I look at you as someone who's really grounded in the Word. Yeah. And I know that, uh, like, when I think of Mary, I think of prayer. I know that you are committed to prayer, as, as uh, not just in our in our church, but privately, personally. Uh, the Word and faith, like those are some of your key, yeah. you know, and with faith, healing and, and God's blessing and all that. And uh, and then just really watching over your words, right? And yes. speaking the word of God and yes. not coming to agreement with sickness or disease or yes. or the reports of the enemy or the reports of the world. But uh, who are we going to believe? We're going to believe the report of the Lord. And let's say what God says. And Right. Yeah. I mean, I used to pray even uh, before I had my son. I used to pray, Lord, if you ever give me a miracle and let me have a child, let it be with a man that is faithful to me, one that has a good job and is a good father. And so when I got pregnant, like with that miracle, I'm like, okay, I got that. This must be right. You know, but uh, yeah. And then even coming to this church, I was so like, you know, the Lord always used to, I, I always knew that I needed to learn his his word because when I when I would read his word and I would pray and I would be and then I hear other people and I was like, Lord, I wanna pray like that. Like how do they know your words and this type of thing? And he said he said, Well, the more that you fill yourself with 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 my words, you're filling yourself with me. That's right. And I said, Lord, well I wanna fill myself with you. So I would just read his word and put uh, scriptures on um, recipe cards and things like that. And then one day I came to church. Um, and he told, this is no lie. The Lord had told me to bring a, a, a brief bag to, to, um, to church and that he was going to fill it. I didn't tell anybody about that because, yeah, right, the Lord told you that. So I would bring this leather. I got one at the Goodwill. I'd bring this leather uh, brief, brief bag, like a suitcase type of thing, to church. And, I mean, for three months I did it. And I got people saying, why are you bringing that? And I said, and I would put my Bible in there and maybe some papers I would write. And they thought, you know, they got little small things that you can carry your Bible with. And people would just ask me, and I would just, like, try to make up something that why I'm bringing it. I didn't want to say God told me to bring it. Well, then one day I came to church, and this lady came to me, and she handed me. Her name was Amber Robb. I didn't really know who she was at that time. And she came and handed me this blue folder, and it had all of these prayers, and it had the scripture beside the prayer. Like it had prayers about, you know, uh, your children and your husband, all these prayers. But it had the scripture where they got the verse from. Right. Right? And she she gave that to me. I didn't look at it till I got home. And then, then this one particular prayer... It had it said in there, and I have been praying, Lord, I am who your word says that I am. Yeah. And in this one particular prayer, it says that I am who your word says that I am. And I mean, I just broke down because I didn't think nobody knew that but me. And then I asked her, I said, why did you give this to me? Like, like where did you get this from, you know? And she said, my husband, uh, the Lord told my husband to copy it and give it to you. But I've had it in my van for three months, and I just keep forgetting to give it to you. <laughs> You've been and carrying she, this case. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and so that really helped me to learn uh, scriptures and how to put it in forms of prayer. Right. Like the Lord helped me. Yeah. And then, you know, so I, I, I stopped carrying the, the briefcase right. after that. But the people gave me books. Ruth DeBrum gave me a book about praying God's word. People just kept giving right. me stuff after So that. if you're around Mary any length of time, there's papers flying all over the place, <laughs> and it's all scripture verses, yeah. and she wants us to pray the word. Yeah. Yeah. So you take scriptures, and obviously that are, you know, in the context or something, yes. but you take it, and then you just pray it back to the Lord. Yes. You know, like the scripture, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Lord, I just yeah. thank you that no weapon, yes. nothing that's coming against me is going to prosper. I mean, uh, January, December, or December, January, we did uh, prayers on seeking the Lord. Yeah. And then for this month, there's no fear in February. Right. And uh, we're going to take no fear in February and march on into faith. And yep. miracles in March, but I like to take the scripture and pray it God, pray it back Amen. because it's just a guideline, Pastor. I yep. mean, we know the word, but sometimes there's so many scriptures 
pertaining to that thing that we forget. Right. And then we're all in one accord when, yeah. we, when we pray that. And I believe that when when we, uh, we first we got to really seek him. We got to seek his face. Right. And then if we seek his face, when we seek his kingdom, mm-hmm. and then as we're seeking his face, then he comes and he brings his kingdom right. to us, right? Right. And, uh, and, and individually, I think, is where a lot of us are missing it and that, that intimate time with him. Right. Spending that time because that's what makes us strong corporately. Right. You know. Anyway. So uh, we're going to end here. Just give you an opportunity. Just like take one minute. Just give like one word of encouragement to those who are listening today, to our church. But Mary gives leadership. Oh, I even became the prayer leader. You remember that night I came to prayer and oh, right. I, I actually was going to quit coming. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and I get home and I get and I was talking about getting ready, being ready, and staying ready. And I've been talking about that for a long time. Anyway, I, I, this one particular night came to prayer meeting, and uh, you had said, well, what's on everybody's heart, right? And, and I had mentioned something about, get, you know, the Lord had told me that I'd been getting ready long enough, now it's time to be ready. And it seemed like everybody looked back at me, and I didn't know why. But then after that, driving home, I got this attack, you know, like, who do you think you are? Nobody wants to hear about getting ready, being ready. Like, you just need to be quiet, this kind of thing. Right. Anyway, so I was going just like, okay, I'm not. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting, and I'm not going to say nothing. But I heard the Lord said, the Lord, when you go to a prayer meeting, you need to pray. Right. He said, because the, the devil wants to shut your mouth because he knows when you pray, I hear you. Yeah. And I said, okay, Lord. And then I get home, and pastor sends me a message. And he's, I'm thinking, okay, I'm in trouble now, right? <laughs> and he said, Mary, you know, I appreciate you, all this, and I'm waiting to get to the part where, like, just be quiet, right? I and appreciate then you, you, but I have this one thing against you. Yeah, yeah. No. And then you said, no, I want to hear more about, you know, getting ready, being ready, staying ready, and would you like to be the prayer leader? The prayer leader? And I thought, wow, you know, because I was ready to walk away. And, uh, right. and so I just, one thing I would say is, like, um, you know, we need to be strategic with our prayers. Like we need to, because we, we're the army of God. And Amen. and if you just just throw any little prayer like out there with nothing behind it, like we need to be strategic. If we're warriors in the army of God, you know, you know, just like a warrior, like he he knows where his enemy is lurking. You know, he he knows when to strike. You know, and we have the sword of the spirit, Amen, which is the word of God. That's right, right. And 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 sometimes you do just need to stand firm and trust and fear not and all of that. But you need to have that word. If you're not, if there's no deposit, then there's no return. Right. And I always say you need to speak your desired end result right. of every situation. If you say something you don't want, say I cast those words to the ground, and then speak what it is that you want. Amen. That's in line with the word of God, and 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 that's that's the main thing. But you ain't gonna be able to do it yeah. if you ain't reading it. Yeah. If you ain't spending that time in this word. All right. What a great interview with Mary today and just to hear her testimony it's so exciting and i know you can just pick up the passion the enthusiasm that she has and and so great to have her as a prayer leader of our church and i just want to let you know that we do have pre-service prayer before the sunday services so at 10 a.m or a little bit just after 10 a.m people start arriving in our prayer room for prayer and we pray up till 10 30 when the service begins and then sunday night from 6 to 6.30, Mary and her team give leadership to these pre-service prayer times. And you are more than welcome. It's not just for a special few or you have to be on some team. It's open to anyone. So we invite you to come and be a part of that. And uh, it'll be a great blessing, a great blessing to the church. We notice that when there's a strong pre-service prayer or times of prayer leading up to Sunday, there's a greater anointing uh, than when there, it's lacking. So... It makes a big difference, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that. So I want to say a big thank you to Mary for sharing her testimony today, and be encouraged. And friends, the Bible says that we're not to let our heart be troubled, but believe in God and uh, trust in Him. He's going to do it for us. He's working on our side. Amen. So God bless you today. Enjoy your week. We'll see you on Sunday.